Hey, Reach Paramount, welcome to our podcast. Hey, this message continues our series, Chambers, with Pastor Omar Lopez and a message he's entitled, The Heart of Friendship. Enjoy this message. We appreciate all of you being here today. Are you glad you're in the house of God? Well, turn to someone and say you're in the right place at the right time right now. I honestly believe that today. We're glad you're here. We welcome every single one of you and all those that are here for the first time. Again, we're glad you're here. And uh, we're going to continue our series that we've been uh, ministering this month and actually going into the next month. But uh, uh, it's called Chambers. And we're talking about the chambers of your heart and examining chambers in your life. Now, we know the heart is a physical organ that provides blood and nutrients throughout your body. But Jesus often used the heart as a metaphor of our emotion, our thought life, the way we felt. All of these things came from the heart. And he often used the heart. And it's uh, very interesting to think that the heart is the at the central part of your body. And so all your emotions, all your thought life is part of your uh, everything, the way you process things. It's all comes from your heart. And so we're going to be talking about that. And today I'm going to talk about the heart of friendship. Anybody have any friends here today? You want? Yeah. You guys? You guys? Yeah. All right. Awesome. Awesome. And so uh, all of us want friends. It's, it's our desire. And I was thinking about and read an article last night about this guy by the name of Jack Warner. And now most of you would think, well, I don't know who that is. Actually, you probably do. How many have ever heard of Warner Brothers? You guys heard of Warner Brothers production company? And so he was part of the original Warner Brothers. Him and uh, five of his brothers, they owned the company when they first came. And uh, he was a bit of a swindler, though. He convinced his brothers to sell their stocks. They sold their stocks to uh, a certain company, and their brothers were thinking they were selling out. And he, what he did was he had made a deal with the guy. And when they sold them, hit their stock. He bought the stock from that guy, and now he was in control of the company because he had more stock. That's a swindler, isn't it? And a reporter asked him this question. He said, how many friends do you have in the world? He said, I don't have a single friend in this whole world. So he might have been rich, but he was poor in friendship. And a lot of people, they're rich, but they're poor when it comes to relationship. And again, the number one problem today, the number one emotional problem going on, and of course, this whole virus and all this other thing is, is friendship. People are lacking friendship. And here's the fact, you might not have known this, but the best-selling book ever is the Bible. But next to it, it's a book called How to Make Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. I would, I would advise you to read that book. I read that book when I was very young. How to Win Friends and Influence People because everybody wants friends. Everybody wants friends in their life. In fact, God said it is not good for man to be alone. It's not good for us to be by ourselves. We all need relationships. And throughout the Bible, we see relationships. We see the relationship of David and Jonathan uh, that became very close friends. I'll talk about that. Uh, I'll talk about Barnabas and Paul. They became very close friends. Uh, also, Jesus and his disciples at the end he tells them you're my friend and so over and over we see friendships I don't know if you remember the the Lone Ranger how many remember the show the Lone Ranger he even had Tonto remember Tonto Tonto would call him Kimosabi remember Kimosabi means faithful friend and so all of these things in fact over the years there have been a lot of sitcoms that have been based on friends. Now, I'm not recommending you watch all of these sitcoms, but most of us have probably saw, uh, seen Seinfeld and Cheers and, and Friends, The Office, a lot of dysfunctional friendship, but we like to laugh and watch all these things. Uh, that's been some of the most popular shows in the last decade is based on relationship, based on friends, because people are looking for friendship. They're looking for connection. So I'm going to read you a verse of scripture here out of Proverbs 27, 9. Then we're going to dive right into this message today. And it says, ointment and perfume delight the heart and sweetness of a man's friends give delight by hearty counsel. 
What it's saying is oil and perfume, that aroma makes the heart glad. It says, so does the sweetness of a friend's counsel that comes from their heart. When you have a friend that is counseling you, giving you advice from their heart, it's like oil and perfume over your life. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for the word of God. We thank you that your word is relevant, that your word applies in 2021, that God today, that your word nourishes us, your word encourages us, your word brings correction as well. And so I pray today, even as I declare the word of God, uh, that the people would hear the voice behind the voice. And Father, I pray for that anointing. Help us to give you our 100% undivided attention in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. There is a gentleman by the name of Joseph Epstein wrote a book on friendship. And he said this, the acquaintance is someone you may see often, but there's never an obligation to see them again. A lot of us have acquaintances. We have people that we may see often. You may see them at work. Uh, you may even see them at a family gathering. They're a friend of the family. You may see them even at a conference, uh, but they're not necessarily friends that you're close to. Then we got people that are family. Friends are op optional, but family, you're born into it, right? But think about this. Uh, there are some people in our lives that are part of the, our family, but if it was our choice, they wouldn't be our friends. Am I right? I mean, come on, let's be honest. Some of the, you, you look at some of your family and you go, man, if it was my choice, just because the family I talked to you, but if it wasn't, I'll, I'll read again. Proverbs 20, verse 6, I won't get into that. It says, many a man proclaims his own steadfast love, but a faithful man, faithful man, faithful woman, faithful friend, who can find, who can find a faithful man? Who can find a good friend? So when we talk about friendship, in theory, Friendship sounds very good, but how many know it's difficult to have? It's hard to have some good, close friends. It's great in theory. It's a great something we like to think about, but it's not always easy because some friendships, as you well know, if you've been living for a while and you've been alive in this world, you know that friendships can go bad. There are some friendships, I'm sure, that have gone sour in your life. You thought, man, I thought I had a good friend and I got burned. How many have ever been burned? A few of you. I think all of us have been burned at one time or another by a friend. In other words, we thought uh, this and they hurt us and that relationship ended up being a bad relationship. And here's, here's what I want to tell you. The pain is real. Turn to someone and say, it's real. Pain is real, man. It is. Uh, we've been hurt by people. People have betrayed us. People have said things, and we thought they were our friends. Next thing you know, they've been talking about us. So let's not gloss over it. Let's not pretend it didn't happen. It does happen. Next thing you're reading Facebook, and your friend's saying all kinds of stuff about you, except he's not putting your name, but he knows who, who he's talking to. How many know what I'm saying today? God, you guys are acting really holy out there, but am I the only one? But man, friendship can cause a lot of pain. A broken relationship, probably, I would argue, probably the greatest pain in your life is really the loss of friendship or broken relationships. And this is why many times we're fearful of having relationship and close intimacy because we don't want to get hurt again. I meet people all the time, and the reason why they don't want to have any close friends is because they were hurt before, and they don't want to get hurt again. I was thinking about Job in the Bible, and uh, the book of Job, if you've never read it, this guy went through all kinds of trials right from the very beginning. He loses his children. He loses his wealth. Uh, he loses pr practically everything he owns. Uh, and then his body is, uh, uh, has all kinds of boils. He's sick. And his friends come to visit him. Now, I don't know about you, but if my friends were coming to visit me at my darkest hour, I'm hoping that they're going to bring me some good words of encouragement. Uh, instead, they come and they pretty much curse him. They pretty much tell him, hey, you know what? You're no good. They begin to criticize. In fact, they said, it's probably your fault. You probably did something wrong, and God's, God's mad at you. He's punishing you. And this is what he says in Job 19, verse 19. He goes, all of my intimate friends detest me. Those I've loved have turned against me. In other words, my friends despise me. They're disgusted with me. 
you can almost hear the betrayal in those words that he said, the pain, man. He said, they're disgusted with me. They betrayed me. They've done me wrong. All of these different things. So the pain is real. So this is what we often do when we experience that kind of pain from people. We build a wall of protection around our heart. And what we do is we keep people what we call a safe distance. I'm going to keep you close, but not that close. I'm going to keep you a safe distance. You're not going to know everything about me. We're not going to get that. I'm going to keep you a safe distance. This way, you don't hurt me as bad. If you turn on me, I'm not going to be. I'm going to keep you at a safe distance. This is why people today fear good friendship. They fear good relationship. You can go all the way to the book of Genesis when God created man and woman and the relationship that they had. God had intimacy with them. They had intimacy with each other, but it was all destroyed. Well, how, how was it? The enemy came and lied to them. And in Genesis chapter 2 verse 18, God came looking, uh, or God said this in the very beginning. The Lord said, it is not good for man to live alone. I will make him a suitable companion to help him. So from the very beginning, when God created man, when God created that man, he said it's good, but it's not good for him to be alone. So he needed a woman, right? And he said, be fruitful, multiply. In other words, have fun, have lots of babies. That's what he was saying, you know, to do all that. Anyway, so then I'll move on from that. I know you guys are going to get mad. So here, and then God, and then, and then what happens? The enemy lied to Eve and said, did God really say that? And from that point on, then the, he, she gave the fruit to the man, and they basically broke that intimacy. Sin broke the intimacy with God, and really it caused a fear in them, and they began to distance themselves even from God. You look at in Genesis 3, it says, but the Lord called the man, where are you? And he answered, I heard you in the garden. In other words, I, I knew you were walking through there, but I was afraid because I was naked, and so I hid myself. And the Lord God called out to man. He said, how is it that you're afraid? Why are you afraid? He said, I hid. Why did he hide himself? He was distancing himself from God, not only from God, but from Eve. Once that intimacy is broken, once that betrayal is done, we distance ourselves and we hide ourselves. And so here's the question, what are you hiding behind today? Are you hiding behind uh, your insecurity? Are you hiding behind your pride? What are you hiding behind? Because all of us are hiding behind something. In fact, I'll just say this. This is probably could be the most significant message you'll ever hear. Because you need to know who your friends are. You need to identify them. Because if we get our friends right, we can get our life right. We can get blessing. You'll be surprised. A lot of your blessings are connected with your friends. But on the flip side, can I just tell you the flip side of that? You get your friendships wrong, it can set you up for a lot of pain, a lot of trials, a lot of struggles. And I've seen friends cause destruction in people's life. So write this down. Are you ready to write this down? Write this down. Show me your friends and I will show you your future. Show me your friends and I will show you your future. Because your future is connected to your friends, to the people that influence you. We often, we think, well, you know, the company that I, that I keep with or the friend that I have, uh, you know, they, 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 they may influence my situation. No, I can tell you, they influence more than your situation and outcome. They influence actually who you become. A lot of who you are is going to become, be part of your friendships and the friends that are around you. Look at what King Solomon wrote. And he was the wisest man that ever, that ever lived in Proverbs 13, 20. He said, walk with the wise and become wise. For a companion of fools, what? Suffers harm. Now notice what Solomon did not say. You read there, he said, uh, he didn't say that, he did not say a fool suffers harm. He says a companion of fools. So if you're hanging out with the fools, guess what? You're going to get in trouble. What does that mean? It means that you're going to suffer harm when you're hanging out with the wrong person. You will suffer harm. Now, here's what I want to clarify when the Proverbs is talking about a fool. Many times when we read that, I go, well, that's insulting. What he's calling, he's calling someone an idiot. That's not the interpretation here. The translation of fool is more of a description. King Solomon is giving a description 
of someone describing someone that intentionally and deliberately rejects wisdom. In other words, somebody's trying to give you some wise counsel, but you're rejecting it. You're saying, I don't want to hear that. I I don't want to hear a better way to live. I don't want to hear a wiser way to live. You're rejecting practical and spiritual wisdom. Guess what? You're a fool. That's what it's saying. A lot of us can testify that before we came to Christ, BC, right? Before Christ, right? Your life and the people you were connected with caused a lot of trouble for you. Maybe you were one of the fools that caused trouble. Am I right? A lot of us before we came. So what did we do? We had to make a relationship. We had to shift our relationship. Hang out with the wise and guess what? That wisdom will rub off on you. Hang out with the fools, and guess what? That foolishness will rub off on you. I read this. It says, association breeds a stimulation. You take on and absorb who you associate with. In other words, there is no such thing as casual relationships and say, oh, I just have a casual relationship. I just hang around. Every relationship has, is consequential. Every relationship we have will cause a change in your life. Every relationship, listen to me, is either pushing you forward or pushing you backwards. Every relationship is propelling you to your purpose or pushing you into your pain. Every relationship is either bringing joy or sorrow. You need to be careful who you're hanging out with. Incredibly impactful. Now here I got, a, I got some soda. Coke. Coke is it? Is that what they call it? Or what do they call it? Coca-Cola? Did they ever say Coke is it? I don't have a Diet Coke up here. I know some of you guys like Diet Coke. This is the regular, the original Coke here. Not new Coke, original Coke. And here, and then I got some Fiji water here. Now, I don't know if anybody like Coke here. You don't have to raise your hand. Some some people do. And here's the thing about Coke. And let's just be honest. I, I started reading the ingredients. 140 calories. Just like that. It's got, it's got 39 grams of sugar. 39 grams. They basically say it's like filling up this whole thing with just scoops of sugar. It's got a bunch of caffeine. And now when you pour this into a cup with ice, I mean, you, you ever see those commercials? You know, you pour it, shh. They thought you could hear all the suds, everything going. You go, oh, man. This is, it looks so, and when it hits the back of your throat, you're going, oh, man, I can't wait to get that Coke. You know what I'm talking about, Right? But let's just be honest. It may taste good, but is it good for you? Is it good for you? I mean, I don't think it is. It's got a lot of sugar. If you're an athlete, it's fattening, right? If you're trying to lose weight, I wouldn't recommend Coke, right? If you, if, if you, if you have stomach issues, digestive issues, probably Coke's not going to help you. All right, let's turn off that phone. It better be Jesus. Amen. Let's get that... <laughs> Let's get that thing handled. Turn off, pause it, do whatever you got to do. Uh, anyway, so then I was thinking about this Coke. It may taste good, but it's not good for you. It's not good for you. This is like a lot of your friends. It may be fun, but they're not good for you. Am I right? Then, then you got a friend that's like this Fiji water. It's refreshing, right? Not, in fact, I'll take a drink. Oh, man, it's starting good. Wow. Cheers to everyone. Sorry. It really does taste good, guys. I'm going to have to take another one. Wow, that's good. That's good. So it's refreshing. So I'm going to just be honest. Some of your friends are like water. They're refreshing, and they're good for you, and they quench your thirst. How many can thank God for that, right? So think about this. If you hang out with better people, wiser and smarter than you are, People that have better marriages than you are, that make better money than you are, that are better leaders than you are. Guess what? If you begin to hang out with them, they'll raise you up to that level. But then if you hang out with a bunch of fools, a bunch of party things and all of that, uh, they're going to drag you down. Right? They're going to drag you down from your responsibilities, your discipline. They're going to drag you down with them. So show me your friend and I promise you, I will show you your future. In fact, I can tell you this, uh, a lot of things that are, have been successful in my life, things that I've been able to accomplish, I can directly tie 
that I can directly tie to a good friendship that God used the right people in my life at the right time. And because I had the right connection, I've got the blessing of God. Because God put the right people at the right time in my life that gave me the right direction. On the other side of that, every, every time I got in trouble, most of us, whenever you got in trouble, were you alone? You were with somebody. Think about who the common denominator is that got you in trouble. And you were doing the wrong thing. And that's exactly what happened. I found that a lot of the stuff, whenever I got myself in trouble, was it was the wrong friend that I was with. So I want you to do this for me real quick, okay? Get your phone out or get your writing pad out. I want you to write down your five closest friends right now. Not your family member, not your spouse, not your husband, not your pet hamster and your cat or dog. Not an imaginary friend, okay? A real friend, someone that's really intimate. I want you to write those names down. Maybe your five closest friends. Maybe you can only get to two or three. And just write them down. And here's what I want to say as you're writing them down. They say that you are the average of your five closest friends. So if you have five close friends, and they, let's say you have a friend that makes pretty good money, a lot of money, another one makes this... Excuse me, you're probably the average. You're going to make about the average of what they, they make. If you look at their life in different, in different avenues, you're, you're like the middle. Financially, what they do, uh, all of that, you're, you're the average of your five closest friends. Even morally, if you're a partier and you got stoned last night, Chances are some, some of you, somebody got stoned here. You didn't make good choices last night. Probably is because you hung around with those friends. Don't look at me holy. There's probably someone here. In fact, turn to someone and say, that you don't do that. No, <laughs> don't do that. But probably, and if you think about it, it was probably who you were with last night, right? It's probably one of those guys. So if you're pursuing the heart of God with all your heart, it's probably because you got three or four friends that are pursuing the heart of God too. And so you're the average of them. So when you become who you hang out with, that's why your mom and your dad, or especially your mom said, don't hang out with that crowd. Uh, mama knows best, am I right? She knows what she's talking about. So like I told you, show me your friends and I will show you your future. And so all kinds of questions arise when it comes to friendship, when it comes, what kind of friends? So if you really want to please God, maybe, maybe you need to look around and say, who am I hanging out with? Who's influencing me right now? If I want to have a good marriage, what kind of people, what kind of marriages? If I want to have strong finances, someone that knows how to budget money, I need to get around those people. If I want a good spiritual life, I need to hang around. If I want a good physical life, I want to get in shape, I'm not going to hang around with Mr. Twinkie over here who loves Twinkies. I, I don't want to hang around with him, right? I'm going to get around with someone that likes to work out. I'm just saying, okay? And so all of these things have to do with who you hang out with is who you become. Now, let me read you a scripture on friendship, Proverbs 17, 17. It says, a friend, are you ready for this? A friend is someone you may or may not know well who accepts your friend request on Facebook, that says the Lord. This person is born to like and comment on your post to make you feel good about yourself. Now, how many know that's not in the Bible? I just made it up. <laughs> FBV version. Somebody goes, wow, I didn't know that was in the Bible. Facebook already? Yeah, no. Not in the Bible. I made it all up. But here's the real version right here. Proverbs 17, 17. A friend loves you all the time. How many want friends like that? And a brother helps in time of trouble. So wouldn't it be amazing if you had a handful of friends, maybe five, maybe seven, when you were in a season in your life, that would be there for you, help you. Wouldn't it be great if you can have lifelong friends? Not just a seasonal friend, but friends for decades. That would be friends to you and friend to your wife, friend to your children, and would, would celebrate what God was doing in your life. That they would invest in you. and they, they would invest back in you. They would tell you the truth. So, see, we need friends that will tell us the truth. We don't need friends that just tell us what we want to hear. We need some friends to say, hey, that's stupid. What you're doing, that's dumb. Dude, don't do that. Dude, that is the wrong decision. Who told you that? Oh, no. Don't wear that. Oh, don't do that. Am I right? 
You need a friend to tell you the truth. Can't handle the truth. You need someone that can. You can handle the truth. That loves you enough to say, look at you. what you're doing is you're going to hurt yourself. What you're doing is you're going to ruin yourself and willing to kick you a little bit on the backside. Right? And say, don't do that. Man, I love friends like that. They'll come over there and they'll beat you up. You're not leaving the house. You're not going to go get drunk. I'll beat you up right now. Nobody's leaving. I'm going to throw a bomb in this house. You are not going. Dude, I'll knock you out if you walk out the door. Man, you're my friend. Yeah, I'm a friend that loves you so much, won't let you leave the house. How many thank God for friends like that? I've had friends like that. Thank God I listened. I didn't get beat up. I listened to those friends. So 1 Samuel 18, great story of friendship. I love this. Probably one of the best classic stories of friendship you'll ever read in the Bible. It's the story of David and Jonathan, David was just a shepherd boy. He was poor. He was taking care of sheep. And Jonathan was the prince. He was the next guy in line to be the king. Totally different, opposite line. They should have never been friends. There should have never been a connection. But guess what? The moment they meet, they have a connection. You ever just had someone that your first time you meet, they said, there's something about him and her or, you know, whatever. You have that connection. And you just said, man, that, that, you know what? That guy's going to be a good friend. You just knew from the beginning, the friendship just took off. From the very beginning, you started talking, you started hanging out with, you, you formed a bond. These guys formed a bond, but they were directly opposite. One was the shepherd boy, and one was the prince, but they hit it off. And look at what it says here in 1 Samuel 18. When David had finished speaking to Saul, Saul is the king, and this is Jonathan's dad. The soul of Jonathan, look, it was bound to the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Man, they just came together. Saul took him that day and would not let him return to his father's house. Then Jonathan made a covenant. You know what a covenant is? It's a promise. We're not going to break. This is forever. A forever promise. Made a covenant with David because he loved him as his own soul. Says it again. Jonathan, look at what he did. He stripped himself of his robe that he was wearing. This is a, a prince robe. He gave it to David, his armor. His sword, his bow, and his belt, he gave him, he said, look at man, this, this, this should be yours. I know I'm the prince, but you know what? You're my friend. This should be yours. And David went out and was successful wherever Saul sent him. And as a result, Saul set him over the army and all the people, even the servants of Saul, approved. So the friendship of David and Jonathan is so beautiful. You see this fierce loyalty uh, throughout, the, even in the good and the bad. And it lasted beyond death. And I'll explain that in a moment. But their friendship was so powerful. Now think about this. David had killed Goliath. And after he killed Goliath, he became part of the royal family. Because Saul said, whoever kills Goliath will marry my daughter. And so when David goes to meet uh, uh, Saul's daughter, Jonathan is there, which is uh, King Saul's son. Somebody's not that excited about it, but that's okay. And then when they did that, they became good friends. And the Bible says that Jonathan basically said, here, David, you know what? You deserve this more than I do. And he gave him his bow. He gave him his belt. And the Bible says he loved him as his own soul. They had this connection. It was a heart-to-heart connection. When it said this, it was a heart, it was a heart and soul connection, man. It was a real connection that they made that day. And the Bible says from then on, they kept that relationship because friendship ought to last, ought to last a lifetime. Most of you know I, I just lost a very good friend, and he's preached here before, Pastor Woody Calvary. Just one, one of my, my good, good friends. I say right up on top there, and uh, he, just, he just lost his life here um, on, on Wednesday, and uh, his children were here this morning in our service, and I just began to think about the impact of, of, of Woody's life in my life, and, and I, I began to think of why, 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 why do I treasure him? Well, because I've known him for 40 years when I first became a Christian, and he was a leader in the church, and he, he kind of, I say he took me under my wing, I would say I put myself under his wing. Because I would chase him and just follow him and, and just wanted to learn the things of God. I was at uh, him, you know, his, 
his, him and his wife, I would show up to his house. They didn't live too far from my house. And I was at his house almost every day. I couldn't get it. He just, like, he couldn't tell, get me to leave at times because I would just be there wanting to learn the things of God, the Bible, all of these different things. And uh, a lot of his impartation had this great influence on my life. And I can literally say that I, that I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for him. I probably wouldn't be pastoring. I probably wouldn't be serving the Lord if it wasn't for his influence and who he was. And, and he was just one of those cheerleaders. You know, even when we, we, we were here and, and we, and we uh, you know, this church and our network of churches, he, he, he wanted to be here. When we had our, uh, we changed our name to Reach, he was here. When we did our conference, he was here. And, and he's constantly cheering me on. And I think, man, we need some friends like that. I said, we need some friends like that. The interesting thing about David and Jonathan is their friendship continued beyond death. Now, what do I mean by that? Because the Bible says a very touching story in 2 Samuel chapter 9 that after Jonathan had passed away, when David found out that Jonathan had passed away and and now David became king, the Bible says he's looking for some way to show kindness to Jonathan's family. Because most of Jonathan's family, his children are dead. They're gone. And he, he, he asks, he speaks out, he goes, is there, there anyone remaining out of the house of, of, of Saul? And, 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 and in, are there any more sons that remain to Jonathan? Is there anyone else around? He said, is there anyone else around? And they said, well, there is one son of Jonathan that belongs in that family line. And his name is Mephibosheth. And basically, he's disabled. He's not able to walk. And he's in this place. Uh, they have him isolated. And David said, bring him here. Because I want to honor my promise that I made to my friend. That forever, I would, I would be a blessing to him. He goes, bring that son over here. And that son who was disabled, wasn't able to walk. He ate at the king's table every day. He goes, you will eat at my table every day. When, it, when the king gets served, Mephibosheth gets, gets served. This is Jonathan's son. Why? Because that's how deep friendship is. Now, think about this today. They did, they did a study on friendship, and they found today that most people today only probably have two close friends. Now, that may not shock you, but you realize that 30 years ago, people had at least six or eight close friends. And little by little, friendships are deteriorating. Trust is deteriorating. A couple of reasons they say that we don't have close friends anymore. A lot of it is because of working hours. People work and are constantly working, doing all kinds of things that they, people can't connect anymore. The second thing is divorce. They said that when people get divorced, friends have to make choices. And the divorcees make them good. Are you with him or are you with me? Right? Children have to make choices. If you've been divorced, you know what I'm talking about. If you've been around that, you know what I'm talking about. And that is also killing friendship. And number three, believe it or not, and again, you're gonna, you, you're gonna, you think it's debatable, but it's true, the explosion of social media. Now, I just want to say this up front. I'm not against social media. We use social media here in our church. I'm on social media. I'm on Facebook. If you want to friend, uh, what is it, friend, what is it called? Friend request, yeah, friend request, I guess. Friend request, oh, follow me, however you want to do it. Instagram, Facebook, however you want to do it. Don't do a Twitter, I don't even check that. I, I think I haven't checked Twitter in like five years, so I don't even know what's going on on Twitter. Uh, but I, it's all I can keep up with, man. I can hardly keep up with anything else. You guys got Twitter, you got, uh, what, uh, Snapchat, TikTok. I don't know, all this junk. It's hard to do all that. But I'm not against it. I know there are great benefits to connecting people you hadn't seen in years, all of that. But just, just, but just think about this. Think, think about this. Before social media, would you ever at lunchtime get on the phone and call 100 of your friends and tell them what you were having for lunch? Would you ever do that? Say, hey, dude, I'm over here. I'm having lunch. I'm over here. But yet that's what we do. We'll be, we'll be at In-N-Out Burger. And we'll take, you know, a picture of the animal fries and the animal double-double and then put it out there and say, this is where I'm having for lunch. Yeah, it's like, what the heck? Who cares, right? I'll be honest. When, it first, when Facebook first came out, I didn't understand the concept. 
And people were like putting, I'm eating pancakes. I'm over here and go, who cares? Why, why do I need to know that? And I would tell my friend, hey, I, tell my cho- I told my son, I go, hey, there. But he goes, dad, that's the whole thing. You know, they're kind of telling him what you're doing. I go, but I don't care to know that. I don't and, and, and then they would tag me at a restaurant. I would tell them, do not tag me at a restaurant. I don't want people to know where I'm eating and where I'm at. What for? Oh, yeah, they tag me. Or people taking pictures of me at a restaurant. Hey, hey, don't, don't, no, don't put that. I said, don't put that. I, I, I tell pastor, don't tell them we're eating here. I, uh, give me some privacy in my life. You know what I'm saying? And I, that was just me, okay? I'm just going to kind of give you a picture there. But, but, but then we, we, we take pictures and then it's always like the perfect picture. But we know what you really did. You took like a hundred of those pictures and you edited it and you put the filter on and you put the right light. You made your chin look thinner and, and we know it's all fake. It's not real. And then when we post the picture, then you start looking, oh, I got five likes in a minute. Whoo. Man, 10 likes, two minutes. Who else is liking it? Who else is liking it? And what we've done now is we're all consumed with how many people like us, how many people like our picture, but we've, we basically replace our relationship with social media. Social media is supposed to supplement your relationship, not replace your relationship. And because we've caused them to replace it, now we don't know how to do relationship face-to-face. They don't know, people don't know how to talk anymore. And, and if I can just give you a couple of things here, because it's very crucial that you and I understand how important it is to be face-to-face, not thumb-to-thumb. I said face-to-face, not thumb-to-thumb. I mean, I, I've been in places where friends are texting each other across the room. I go, really? Has it come down to that? You guys can't even talk? They're texting each other. Or have you ever gone to a restaurant, the whole family, five of them, and they're all on, on, the, on the phone? It's like that person across from them is not that important, I guess. I'm guilty. How many are guilty? We're all guilty. We've all done it. And this is why it's so important that we understand that we need each other and we applaud independence, but we don't realize we need community. I said, we need some community in our lives. And so I want to spend a, a few moments here. I'm going to close here. If the worship team wants to come, they can. But I'm going to, I, I want to just talk about rediscovering some things of friendship. Number one, we need to be present. We need to be present right there, face-to-face with people, talking to people. I think today it's kind of been lost. I know with the virus and all of that, it's kind of killed that face-to-face. But it's so much more. Even, Even children today are saying that they're a little dissatisfied with their mom and dad because... Uh, mom and dad's obsession with with social media not that mom and dad use it more but mom and dad are occupied more so when children want to talk to their parents they go wait hold on i'm on pinterest right now i'm doing this or i'm on youtube or i'm trying to get a recipe or i'm doing this or i'm playing the little uh, whatever candy game whatever it is i'm doing this i'm you know i got i'm getting a high score don't bother me and so what happens is we're not present anymore and we need to be present Let me read you a scripture, Hebrews 10, 24. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together. We need to meet together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. So he says, even as we know that the return of Jesus is coming, We need to meet, not just thumb to thumb, but physically. We need to be together physically. And I think a lot of things, social media has hijacked our our ability to meet. This whole virus thing has hijacked our ability to meet. People today don't know how to talk anymore. They don't know how to talk face to face. A lot of people today don't even know how to talk on the phone anymore. Could you imagine how powerful, if you're present, how powerful it is when you're with somebody, man, when you have unity, when you're able to connect with some people, it it makes a big difference. It brings incredible strength into your life. This is why we assemble ourselves together, because we're able to strengthen one another when we're together. We're able to encourage one another. God doesn't want us to be like this one little isolated pencil, right? You see this pencil right here? It's isolated by itself. And when trials come, guess what? 
they break. Just like that. It breaks. But what about if I got three pencils together? Look at, let me read you the scripture. It says here, right here, in Ecclesiastic 4.12, though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. They said one of the strongest cords, the brand of cord that you can come is three cords wrapped together. So I got this pencil here. Let me see if I can break it. See, it's very difficult. I know some of you guys out there, oh, I could break it, yeah. I'm not asking you, okay? I'm not asking you. I'm not asking you. I know you could do anything. You can go to the moon. You can do all that. Okay, but here. You've done it before, I know. I can get a phone book. Okay, that's awesome. But yeah, so see how difficult it is? Difficult, threefold. Somebody's going to come up here and try to break it. But anyway, uh, there, there's something about connecting. There's something about face-to-face that you're not going to get on the phone. You're not going to get on email. You're not going to get on a text. And like I said, even, even on the phone, people don't even want to pick up the phone anymore. People don't know how to talk on the phone anymore. You know why we don't want to talk on the phone? Can I tell you why people fear talking on the phone? Because you're not in control where the conversation is going to go. So what you do is when somebody calls you, you let it go to voicemail. And then you text them. You text them the answer. Because now you want to be in control of the conversation. You don't want any surprise in the conversation. So you say, okay, what's this about? Okay, I'll answer that. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll go over there. And then they ask you something. I'll go, oh, I'll get back to you. So now you're in control. We don't like to talk on the phone or face-to-face because we're not in control of the conversation and we don't know which way the conversation is going to go. So now we like rather talk, uh, text, we rather email because we're afraid of confront, not confrontation, but talking to one another. Can I tell you something today? We need to stop trying to impress each other with our strengths and connect with our weaknesses. Did you know that? We impress with our strength, but we connect with our weaknesses. I'm not impressed by people's strength anymore. They try to tell me all they're telling. Oh, la, la, ooh, all right, that's awesome. You know, they're on Facebook. Oh, it's like the little kids. Watch me, Dad. Watch me, Dad. Look at what I'm doing. A lot of people on Facebook. Watch me. Look at what I'm doing. Look at what I'm doing. That's a whole different thing. But anyway, what, you don't impress me with your strength. You're not going to connect with people with your strength. You know where you're going to make a connection with people? With your weaknesses. When people say, hey, I'm going through this. Say, you know what? I've gone through the same thing. In fact, I'm going through it right now. Man, I know, I know what you're saying. And you connect with people with your weaknesses, not with your strength. You'll never connect with people just showing off, showing off how talented you are. But man, when you connect with your weaknesses, people say, hey, right on, that person's real. Man, yeah, I'm going through that. Guess what? This was happening in my life. Guess what? This was happening in my family. This is what's going on. Man, that's where you make the connection. Look at what the Bible says in James chapter 5, verse 16. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Now, when I think about that verse of scripture right there, it's telling us to confess our sins. Now, we say, well, we confess our sins to God. Yeah, you confess your sins to God for forgiveness. But if you want real healing, you confess it to a friend, someone you can trust, that can pray for you and encourage you. Lots of times people have not, they don't have that connection. See, you're not willing to share your weakness with someone. You're not willing to tell, hey, I'm going through this in my life. This is what's happening. Can you help me? Man, I don't know what decision. I'm under pressure. Can you, I'm struggling in this area. When we're able to confess that, someone can heal us by their prayer. We can be healed in our soul. We can be healed in our heart. If we're willing today to confess to one another. If we're willing today to stop trying to impress people with all of our strengths. See, we need the ability today to connect. The greatest person you ever ever connect with is God. God knows all of your weaknesses. The Bible says that he went through everything that we've gone through. The Bible says Jesus was tested and tempted in every area, yet he never sinned. So you can't tell God, God, I don't know, you know, you don't know what I'm going through. God says, I've been there, buddy. I lived it. In fact, I died on the cross for you so that I can connect with you. So let's pray. Let's pray right now. Father, in Jesus' name, with every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we thank you for the Holy Spirit. We thank you for your grace today. 
We thank you, God, for the word. We thank you, God, today for who you are. Lord, there's nobody greater than you. There's nobody more powerful than you. And so, God, we pray, God, for your strength. We pray for the Holy Spirit to help us. Help us, God, to connect. Connect with you, most of all, to connect with others today. And, Lord, I pray for every single person in this building. As every head is bowed, every eye is closed today. If you're in this room, maybe someone invited you. Maybe you came on your own. Maybe you came because of Friendship Sunday. Whatever, whatever the case may be, I don't, I don't believe you're here by coincidence. I believe God brought you here. The greatest friend that you'll ever have is Jesus. No greater love than a man has than this, that a man would give his life for his friend. Jesus gave his life for you so that he can connect with you today. That's why he came. That's why he took human form. So that he, you could connect with, he, you can make connection with you. He could tell you, I know what you've gone through. I know what's happening in your life. I've lived it, but I'm here to carry you through today. So God wants to connect with you today. Jesus died on the cross for you. See, there's one weakness that all of us have, every single person in this building, and that's sin. The Bible says, for we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, not even one person. All of us have sinned and gone astray. That's our weakness today. That's our failure. But the Bible said, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. God wants to give you a new life today. And how he does that today is you come to him in your weaknesses. You come to him confessing your sins, saying, God, I need your forgiveness. And here's the wonderful thing about the grace of God is he's willing to forgive you. He's willing to come in your life and change your life today. He's willing to make that connection with you this morning. So if you're in this room right now, someone invited you, you came on your own, whoever you may be here, I'm here to tell you there's a God in heaven that loves you. He knows all about you. He knows your weaknesses and your strength. And guess what? He wants to come into your life today. He wants to be your friend. There's no greater friend than Jesus. There's no greater friend than God. You have lots of friends, but you'll never have a friend like God today. He, he's the one that always be for you, there for you. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. He'll never turn his back on you today. So if you're in this room right now with every head bowed, every eye closed, you'll be honest with God. Be honest with yourself. Say, Pastor, I need the Lord in my life. I need God in my life right now. I need Jesus in my life. I need that friend that you're talking about. Would you just simply raise your hand right now and say, Pastor, that's me. Just raise your hand and say, Pastor, I need the Lord. Right there. God bless you. Several people. Thank you. Thank you. You put your hand down. Thank you. Right over here. Thank you. I believe there's some more people in this room. Right now, you haven't raised your hand and you're waiting. I can tell you, God's waiting on you. God's waiting on you. Don't worry about who's next to you. Don't worry about any of those things. You need to be honest with God right now. You haven't raised your hand. You'd raise it up right now and say, Pastor, I need the Lord in my life today. Right here, this gentleman, thank you. Right here in the middle, thank you. Over here on the right, thank you. Thank you very much for raising your hand. Anybody else? Anybody else? I'll wait. This is the most important part of this service. It wasn't the sermon. It wasn't the worship. It was you getting right with God. You becoming a friend of God. This is the most important part. This is the highlight of everything we do in this church. And I appreciate the talent. I appreciate the music. Appreciate all of that. But really, it's about you getting right with God. It's about you giving your heart to God. Because God loves you that much. Is there anyone here right now, you say, you know what? I need the Lord in my life right now. I need the Lord in my life right now. You haven't raised your hand. I'll pray for you. Would you raise your hand right now? I don't want you to leave here without the Lord in your life. Is there anybody else? Several people raised their hand. Maybe you were once walking with God over here on my right. Thank you. God's waiting for you. Anybody else? Maybe you were walking with God at one time, but somehow you fell away. Maybe some friend influenced you, and you're not walking with God today. And you need to get back. You need to get back on track. You need to get right with God. God's speaking to you. You're fighting it. God's speaking to you. Right now, it's a pastor. That's me. I need to get right with I need to get I need to rededicate my life to the Lord. Who are you? Raise your hand. 
Gloria, thank you. Right here, this gentleman here, two, two of you guys. Thank you, guys. Put your hand down. Thank you. Anybody else? Anybody else? I'm not here to embarrass people. I'm not here to shame people. I'm here to give you an opportunity, same opportunity God gave me 40 years ago. I gave my life to the Lord. My life has not been the same. And I've never been a regret. <laughs> it's never been, I've never turned back, man. It's been the greatest decision. I've, God gave me an opportunity to be his friend. Is there anybody else right now? You'd raise your hand. Is there anybody else before we go on? Okay, many of you raise your hand. Look up at me real quick. Over here. You guys mean that down here? You mean that? You mean that? Okay. I want you to stand to your feet real quick. I'm not here embarrassed. You just stand to your feet and just come meet me right down here. Come meet me right down here. Come on. Come on. Just come meet me. Come meet me right down here. I'm not here to embarrass people. I'm here to pray for you. You can face me. God bless you, bro. How you guys doing, man? All right. God bless you. All right. L.A., that's what I'm talking about. How you doing, man? God bless you. God bless you. How you guys doing? God bless you guys. God bless all of you. Thank you. Thank you. So many of you guys. All right, come on. Anybody else? Anybody else? Several people came. Some of you didn't raise your hand, but you know, just, just as I do, you should be down here right now. You should have raised your hand, but you're sitting there. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wait for you. You can come right now. Get up out of your seat and say, you know what? I know I should be there. I know it's somebody else coming. Praise God. Give him a hand. Who else? Who else? I know I should be down there praying. Is there anybody? Thank you for coming. Your honesty. Anybody else? Anybody else? You come. I'll wait for you. Man or woman. Young or old. Doesn't matter. Middle age. You come. I'm going to wait for you. Several people. You're not going to be by yourself. Look at all these people down here. Is there anybody else? You say, I should be right down there with them. I, I knew I should have raised my hand. I didn't do it. You come. You come right now. You come right now. Praise God. Praise God. We'll wait for you. We'll wait for you. Anybody else coming? We'll wait for you. Amen. Amen. Why don't we, why don't we close our eyes real quick? Bow our heads right now. And I'm going to pray with every single one that came forward today. You raised your hand. And I'm going to give you, I'm going to pray with you. I'm going to give you the words to this prayer. But it's not the word that saved you. It's the attitude of your heart. And I want you to say these words to God, not to me or anyone next to you. And I want you to say them to God. Speak them out loud, okay? And don't just say them in your mind. Repeat this prayer with me right now. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe you died for me and rose again. I ask you, Lord, to come in my heart to forgive me of all my sins be Lord of my life. Change my life. From this day forward, I will serve you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much for listening to this message from Reach Church Paramount. To stay connected with us, follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Reach Paramount. To give and support this podcast and ministry, visit our website at reachparamount.com slash give.